Hey guys, you're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. I feel like top tens, the first five are solid, but then six through ten are records that maybe you'd kind of like. You know, there's a couple tracks here and there. But I feel like five is a good number. Yeah, I agree. I actually had a real tough time this year uh, getting my top five in order. Really? Yeah, there are a few that, uh, that you know, we'll do an honorable mentions, I guess. I got a couple honorable mentions in there, too. Yeah, I got a, I got a few. Yeah, I, I don't had a real hard time with it this year for some reason. There is one honorable mention that probably had it come out earlier would have been in my top five but i just didn't get enough time to really digest the record as much as i would have hoped to that happened with me with a few records and some that don't come out until the very end of the year how do you know about them you got like a special uh well because like everything now you know you get a song stream three months before a record comes oh, okay out i all, see what you're all saying that stuff yeah but i haven't heard the whole record so i can't i hear you put it on a list that makes sense so let's, um, I think probably the best thing to do, we'll start at five, we'll go one to one, right. and then we'll, we'll both announce our, our number one, which right. I, I suspect might be the same record. I don't think it is. Okay, all right. Fucking A, dude. Let's go at it. Let's go at it. <laughs> you want to go first? I'll go first. So number five clocks in with Dark Throne, Old Star, which came out on Peaceville early this year. Yes. And as soon as I heard it, I knew that it was going to be one of my top five records of the year. And, you know, Dark Throne is like, I don't think they put out a bad record, man. And I agree. And like they've changed over the years. There's been several different eras of the band, different, the same two guys always, except for, you know, Soulside Journey, which was like a full, full on band. Yeah, they had a few guys in the beginning. Yeah, but it's been Nocturno Culto and Fenris. Yeah, I love the, the whole, everything about Dark Throne, the way they, they don't play live. Those two dudes, it's their band. They they record everything themselves. I love everything about Dark Throne. You know, and, and uh, th- there's two tracks particularly on Old Star that really stand out. There's uh, The Hardship of the Scots, <laughs> which starts off, it sounds like a like fucking white snake sign of it. You yeah, know what I mean? It has like... It's like this real cock rock beginning. And um, and I know the thing I love about Darkthorn too is that though they are, a you know an original black metal band, you can tell that they just love heavy metal music. Well, I was gonna say those two guys. Uh, I'm gonna say especially Fender is because he's a little more public with yeah. stuff. He is a metal encyclopedia, man. Definitely. And uh, that guy, it's unbelievable. Sometimes I see like these playlists he puts together. Yeah. Or uh, his, he does an internet radio show, I believe. And I like to think I'm pretty schooled uh-huh. on stuff. I see stuff on his list, and I'm just like, holy shit, man. Like, he digs deep. Yeah. He's got a Hanoi Rocks tattoo. <laughs> like, that's it, fucking cool, man. Right. Like, that's a thing, man. He likes, like, like fucking old hair metal. He likes old punk. Like, uh, he's just an encyclopedia of, like, heavy rock music. And I guess that um, if you look at the body of work of Dark Throne, it kind of reflects that, really, in a lot yeah. of ways. I mean, they started out as a death metal band. Yep. Then they were one of the original, you know, Norwegian black metal bands. Then they had a phase where they were like this kind of punk hardcore thing, you know. Yeah. 
And then there was like a heavy metal era where they were almost like, like almost like a new wave of British heavy metal like kind of band, you know? Yeah, I feel like the last couple before this. Yeah, and then there is now this this record has like, um, this and Arctic Thunder have more of like a I would say like a Celtic Frost like yeah. Motorhead kind of thing going on, uh, like our early '80s like metal subgenre, you know, type right. of thing. Right, right. You know? And uh, but yeah, it's a great record all the way through. But uh, the hardship of the Scots stands out as like my favorite track, and then there's Duke of Gloat too, which is another really, and their titles are great. Their too, titles man. are always great, man. Yeah, you know, there's even a there's another great title. Uh, was it a new wave of Canadian like Canadian metal or something like that? Oh yeah, that's off an older record. Yeah, right? it's like an, yeah. yeah, that's off one of their like Circle the Wagons maybe. Yeah, they have great. Like there's a song called Grizzly Trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I am the working class. Yeah, man. They have all these great song titles. Yeah. Um, so that's my number five. Great choice. Thank you. Number five for me is Earth. Fall upon her burning lips. Nice. I don't know how big of an Earth fan you are. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I used to love them back in the 90s, you know, when I when I first heard the drone records. Yes. Uh, the Pentastar came out, which I kind of started falling off. I, like, lost track of them for many years. And then when Hibernaculum came out. Yep. That's when I got back interested in what they were doing when they were doing the more clean, jangly guitar, yes. like Neil Young kind of sounding shit. Yeah. Then I totally lost interest in them for many years after that. And then I started coming around again. There's that record that Mark Lanigan does vocals on. Yeah, that was the record. Uh, I can't remember the title. came out now. a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was the one before this one. It was... Uh one of the first times they had vocals on a record. I think Mark sings on two songs, then there's a couple other singers that contribute to um, to that record. So you were a fan of that record. And, and that's what kind of brought me back into the fold, because literally one day I was like, um, thinking like, man, this is like, I, I should check in on Earth yeah. and check it out again. So yeah, now, I, mean, I didn't know they had a new album that even came out this year, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, this album... Uh, it's awesome. It definitely uh, falls in the formula of the later stuff, uh, like Hibernaculum, Bees Made Honey in the Lion's Skull, Hex. You know, it has that, like, Neil Young kind of thing going on. Um, it's, there's no vocals on this record, which I was curious about if they would continue down the road with the vocal thing. Yeah, There's no vocals. It's all instrumental. Um, but it... It's a really great record, man. Uh, if you like that, the era that you were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, the more jangly kind of Neil Young stuff, this is this record's full of that. Um, I like it a lot. It's, it's a very memorable record. And uh, yeah, man, just check it out. Uh, the first track on the record, A Wretched Country of Dusk. It's a great track. Nice. And then another track called Cats on the Briar. Cats on the Briar. Those are my two favorite tracks. Yeah, actually, A Wretched Country of Dust is the last track on the record. I think I just said it was the first track. It's the last track on the record. (laughs) Those two tracks stand out. But, I mean, there's a very similar vibe through the whole record. But there's these awesome hooks, man, that just pop up out of nowhere. Um, And another band like Dark Throne. uh, Nothing like Dark Throne, but (laughs) like Dark Throne in the sense that they've been around for a long, long time. The band is basically made up of one person instead of two. Um, now too, because the drummer is a huge contributor to the band now. Right. Um, but stylistically, they're 
they are not the same band they were when they no. I mean, they were like the band that kind of started drone. Like they're the reason like bands like Sun exist. I would uh, say they're exactly the reason why bands like Sun <laughs> sure. exist. Really, right? like you know, they they've gone through this uh, transformation. Um, the different different eras of the band are completely different. Like the first two Earth records sound nothing like uh, three and four, and you know they, they've kind of kept the same formula going now for a little while, but still the band is vastly different from when it first started. About that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to go check that out. I didn't, like I said, I didn't even realize that they had an album out this year. Yeah, great record. Number four for me is the Swans' "Leaving Meaning" on Young God Records, which is Michael Gear's uh, imprint that he runs. Yes, uh, and uh, just because they have a record that came out this year is why I put them on there as my one of my top five because I love the entire catalog. And um, I've owned, this is a record that was on the cusp because I hadn't really spent as much time with this record as, as I did with the Dark Throne records and some of the others that are on this list. But right. it kind of, kind of came in late in the year. It did. It did. Um, and I, ha- I enjoy the record as a whole. Like it's, it's really like one, like you put it on and you listen to the whole thing. And that's kind of how most Swans records are for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, there isn't like one track on there where it's like, all right, cool, I'm gonna go out to the clubs and like <laughs> get psyched up and put on this one swan song. You know what I mean? That must be it's a like, real bummer for you. Yeah, you know, there's like an entire <laughs> work in play here that you have to sort of take the whole thing in at once. You know, like that. Uh, you know, there's, there's several bands that are like that. You know, in some ways, I feel like Neurosis is like that too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I am a huge Swans fan like you. I have not spent a ton of time with this record. Um, it is not on my list, but there is a track on the record. Uh, I'm not jumping the gun here. Your yeah, f- no, go ahead. Favorite man. tracks, but it's a track called The Nub. It's a good title. <laughs> I, I love that track. Uh, the rest of the record is still kind of, you know, digesting um it's not my favorite swans material but there's so much swans material and a lot of times i'll listen to a record of theirs then go back to it and be like oh this is incredible where at first listen it doesn't really grab me um but i love that track the nub i believe that australian uh instrumental band the necks contributes to that track and if you're a fan of the necks you can definitely hear it Hmm. i didn't know that there was a contributor on that record i like uh sun fucker And the Hanging Man, I think, is cool. Yeah, the Hanging Man is cool yeah. too. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one. I'm still kind of digesting the record, though. I mean, it's a lot. It's like any Swans record, it's a lot. It's way more subdued, though. We were we were talking about this earlier. That yeah. um, I mean, there's like uh, the the last like when Swans sort of reformed and came back. They like even though the Swans is really Michael Gear's thing, like his band. Absolutely. There's a difference between Swans and say Angels of Light. Like right. the Swans have more of like a, like a heavier, impact kind of thing going on. Where Angels of Light is like more subdued, right? And this record, and you know something we talked about, feels more like an Angels of Light record in some ways. Yes, like it's way more subdued. There isn't like the uh, bombastic, like heaviness of uh, of the, of a other Swans later material, but it has definitely more of like a subdued sort of vibe to it. You know, almost like maybe like the Black Heart Procession or something. But yeah, know? sure, man. Sure. You know, in that in that kind of vein, and um, and I I just like, 
I can listen to Michael Gira's voice just like on its own. You right. Know? Yeah. And, it's like an instrument. Yeah. And and I've always been like enthralled by the way he sings. And it'd be kind of interesting to have um, like an acapella record or something like that, where it's just his <laughs> vocals. Because you know, didn't like Mike Patton do something like that? He did. Yeah. Um, there. I mean, there, there. I don't think there's anything like that. But there are some like limited uh, CDs that Young God did back in the day. Where it was just him and a guitar, like recorded, like at his kitchen table. Yeah, that stuff's great. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, actually, um, yeah, I spent way too much money buying all those CDs. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> when they came out, but they're cool. I, I've always looked at Michael Gira as like a huge inspiration, man, because that dude is like still, like, like I feel like he's getting a lot of the um, success. Like I feel like everything, he, all, all the success that he's had is earned. Like in years and years and years of like being obscure and now the swans and particularly michael gira is showing some kind of like commercial success really you know what i mean yeah good for and that's great man i mean you know that might be part of the reason because the, the swans getting back together was a way bigger deal than when the swans were around yeah so that might be like part of the reason this record i feel sounds like kind of more like an angels of light record it might just be that part of him you know, now that the Swans is back, why go back to Angels of Light where, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of more, I hate to use this word, but viable in a sure. lot of ways to just call it a Swans record. Yeah. We'll probably sell more records, more people will come to the shows, but he still has the outlet to get out that music without bringing Angels of Light back. So I get it. Uh, I can understand why it would sound like an Angels of Light record, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny, the, the three records we just mentioned all have a, like a very common theme of these bands all like have different periods like the swans were the same way dark throne and earth were where like the early swans records sound nothing like the middle ones which sound almost nothing like the later ones yeah um just an interesting thing just yeah popped in my head <laughs> yeah that's i guess that that's like thematically something i really appreciate about about bands in general it's like though i do have like entire catalogs of records by bands that all their albums sound the same but sure yeah but I, yeah. I i always really appreciate when there's growth and experimentation that go go on within you know the uh the bandwidth of material that that are put out by a particular artist you know yeah same here i'll never get tired of my motorhead or acdc records yeah you know? and i don't want i don't want acdc to experiment like, nope. on their next album but that's why uh we have the swans exactly and earth and dark throne yep <laughs> um Cool. Well, my number four, I'm going to switch it up here and for a band that doesn't have this problem. <laughs> and it only actually has three records out. Uh, my number four is Magic Circle, Departed Souls, a uh, band from the Boston area. Um, they've been around since like 2011, have three albums out. Uh, I fell in love with this band the second I heard them. Years ago, their first album, self-titled, came out on Armageddon Records. Oh. It's based out of Boston and Providence. It's the guys that own the Armageddon Records record shop. Um, this record is just a straight-up traditional heavy metal meets classic doom. Um, sung vocals, not screamy vocals. Uh, very Ozzy. On the vocals, um, band just embraces like classic Sabbath, Pagan Altar, Witchfinder General, that kind of stuff. Every record they put out gets better and better. Uh, 
And the interesting part, like pe- for people that might not know, this band is basically made up of all like old Boston hardcore kids. I was going to ask you about that because the one th- I I don't know a whole lot about them aside from what you told me. So what what bands were these guys in? Well, the singer uh, Brendan was in a band for years called the Rival Mob. Okay, um, and they were you know a pretty big band in the hardcore scene. They have few albums i think their last album might have been on revelation um and then some of the other guys are in a band called no tolerance um from boston but i just think it's really cool that these guys went on to do this band out of the kind of the ashes of those bands i mean this is not a hardcore band at all it's like a traditional heavy metal band um yeah i don't if you if you're into that kind of stuff you know like sabbath pagan altar uriah heap that kind You're of right stuff. I feel like this band's kind of going under the radar, so I, I try to like force them on people. <laughs> I've probably done it to you a few times in the past. No, I, you played it for me. Yeah. I just, I have to deep get deeper into it, I think, for me. And, yeah. and it's, I definitely thought it was good. It was definitely yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like they're not reinventing the wheel, but uh, it's a really great album. I just, it's one of those records, like when I don't know what to listen to, I go back to it a lot. Oh, cool. You know? Um, yeah, the standout tracks in there for me, I like the whole record. Uh, the first track, Departed Souls, is really great. And uh, track two, I Found My Way to Die. Uh, great song. It's an awesome title. Yeah. My number three, 1349, The Infernal Pathway on Season of Mist. Nice. And uh, this is, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of 1349. I believe this to be their best record in their entire catalog. And they have a lot of records. And they have a ton of records out. And this record, the songwriting, the production, and just the overall like impact of it is is it's amazing. And you know, every song kind of stands out on its own. Um, it was produced by Jarrett Pritchard, who uh, a couple a few episodes ago he was on the show uh, on one of the point of entry episodes. And uh, Jarrett is their longtime uh, sound guy and tour manager. Okay. And um he did a he did a, a, a goat horror the last goat horror record. Um, he's produced like Wolfhammer records, like things like that. And uh, it's um, you know once again, if you're a fan of the band, you know what they sound like. Just Norwegian black metal, you know, modern right. Norwegian black metal. But this record, just the songwriting on it, the playing and the production, it's all memorable. And uh, there's a couple of uh, Standouts, in my opinion, the, the two the two tracks that stand out are "Enter Cold Void Dreaming" and "Striding the Chasm." <laughs> it's great fucking titles, right? The, this is a record that you turned me on to, but it was once again, like you said earlier, it was almost too late in the game for yeah. me to really dig into it enough. Um, it seems like there's not enough good records that came out, and then there's too many. They, and they all came out towards the end of the year. It seems <laughs> well, yeah, like. I feel like it's definitely backfilled a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I haven't had time to like dissect a lot of records like that one that probably could have easily made my list. Yeah, and and it's like I saw them recently. They played in New York uh, like last week or a couple, no, a few weeks ago, a while back actually, and it was um, awesome. It was great. They were like, I mean, I, I I've seen them play. Oh, I don't know. 40 times i think because we t- we've done tombs has put done two tours with 1349 and every night they're amazing and this in particular with the new songs added to the set uh fucking amazing they had uh the the drummer from uh from uh dark funeral okay 
was playing with them this time around instead of John. Um, fucking the intense, some of the fastest, most intense drumming that I've heard ever. I mean, I don't know if you got your Dark Funeral fan, but like this guy's insane. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with. I mean, I know who they are, I'm just not that familiar. So with them. good. The one time I seen them was on a tour with Tombs. 1349. Yeah, that's the only time oh, yeah. I've ever seen them. But they they killed man. They were great, and they uh, they use different drummers when they tour the states. Correct. Yeah, because Frost is on the records. He's like uh, <laughs> one of the uh, you know found founding members right. of the band. Right. right. And uh, but they tour the states with different players. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, is there any reason he doesn't come to the states? I don't know specifically why. Um, there's like I know that he tours with Satyricon when he comes over here. Oh, yeah, okay. But Satyricon d- doesn't really tour frequently either. So yeah, they don't do like huge tours. No. They do like five, ten day things. I think so. Here, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I they have done these long ass tours, and Frost has played with 1349 in the states before. Um, when I saw Tripticon when they first came over. The first time Tripticon toured and came to play the States, 1349 was the opener or the direct direct support on that tour, right. and Frost was playing with them. Okay. So he has come over here. I don't know, like, what his... What Tom G wasn't fucking around. He's like, no, you're bringing this guy over. That was probably, like, written into the contract. <laughs> we need to have this guy. So... Um, cool, man. Yeah, I got to dig into that record. It's more, good. For sure. Highly yeah. recommend that one. Maybe I'll put it on my 2020 list. Well, it wouldn't be applicable in 2020. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> uh, number three for me is Mayhem. I don't know pronounce this the right way. I'm give, just it, gonna, give it a shot. <laughs> I'm going to say Damon. Okay. You know, but all I think of is Damon from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. When I that's a fourth that. way. <laughs> and I know, a... is it supposed to be demon? Well, you know what? It's spelled differently. Y- you actually uh, touched on something interesting. Like in the occult world, there's like demon, D-E-M-O-N. Right. Daemon, which people pronounce Damon, D-A-E-M-O-N. And then Daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N. And they all are sort of different ways of saying the same thing. And then demons, in demonology, there's, like, three different levels of, like, what that actual term means. So, you could, I guess, you could pronounce it however the hell you want. All right. I'm going to say daemon. <laughs> daemon sounds good. I'm going to say demon. Demon's good. I know that's the first time I've heard anyone say it that way, but, you know, I'm no. down with that. Cool. Uh, Yeah. I absolutely love this record. This is also a late in the year record, but it's fucking mayhem. So yeah, man. I'm taking the time to dive into it. Um, I, there's their sixth studio album, which is kind of crazy for as long as they've been a band. It's not, I mean, there's a few EPs. Well, actually, going back to Dark Tone, that was their 17th album, I believe. Oh, that's it? Yeah, <laughs> those yeah. bands I think have existed. Actually, Mayhem's existed longer. Correct? Yeah, probably. Yeah, they have a little bit. They predate uh, Dark Throne. So six studio albums, and you know that stretch of time is, is not many. That, nope. There was the there's EPs too. Yeah, but still, I was kind of shocked when I seen that. I feel like they have more than six albums. Um, this record is awesome. If you follow the band, uh, Esoteric Warfare from 2014 was yeah. a monster of a record as well. Uh, very technical. Um, a lot of electronics on that record. This one seems a little more scaled back to me. 
uh, and some of the interviews and stuff I've read with them, you know, they they spent the last couple of years touring, basically playing their first album, The, Mys- the Mysterious, mm-hmm. in its entirety. Um, and f- as far as Mayhem goes, that's a pretty straightforward record. Yeah, for them because a lot of their stuff is pretty out there, you know. And, and that record, like, architected the sound of Norwegian black metal. Really. Absolutely, you that's know? yeah, incredible record yeah. in my opinion. Still my favorite record of theirs. But uh, so you know, they're saying that that sort of playing that record over two hundred dates it sort of influenced this record in a way for. For Mayhem, this is almost a return to a little more straightforward. Yeah. I wouldn't say this record's straightforward by any means, but it's almost a little more of a return to that style of black metal. Um, I don't I don't know what, what else to say about this record other than I think it's incredible. Uh, I think every song is awesome. The production's awesome. Uh, I think the guitar player... Uh, not Talak, Ghoul. Ghoul, British guy. Yeah, they're saying he had a lot uh, more, was a lot more involved in the songwriting with this one, where they're saying Talak was a lot more involved with, with esoteric warfare. Mm. So, okay. you know, there might be some of the differences too, but uh, yeah, I just love this record. I mean, I love everything Mayhem's ever, ever done. One of my favorite black metal bands of all time. Uh, standout tracks for me, uh, The Dying Faults King. Mm, yeah. And then I'm going to butcher this as well. Uh, a track called Aeon Demonium. Okay. All right. That's my. That's how I sure. say it. I'm it just, works. I just live out in the woods. I don't really know how to talk. <laughs> so uh, that song I love. It's just so slow, creepy yeah. sounding. It's like the centerpiece to me for the record. I think it's track six, five, six, something like that. It just it sits perfectly in the record so I don't know I'm sure you like this record too yeah. well I'm quite fond of Mayhem as yes you know. yeah. yeah we both are yeah <laughs> so we got number two for me is Gaul's Weird or Gaul's Word I'm not exactly sure what the pronunciation on that is and the record is Gastier Ghosts Invited also on Season of Mist and for those of you out there you all probably know who Gaul is he was in Gorgoroth, which is probably his most uh, well-known band. He also was in Treldom, which is like a more raw black metal kind of thing. And uh, this God's Word or God's Weird, whatever you guys want to say, is um, a, a record that I feel like has been existing inside this guy for a long time. Like it seems like um, the kind of record that he was destined to make at some point in his career. Uh, this record's been out for a while, so many of you out there have probably listened to it, and if you haven't, I highly recommend it if you are a fan of bands like Fields of the Nephilim, um, you know, Ulver, uh, that kind of thing. It's um, definitely a, has a heavy death rock sort of bent to it, uh, yet still um, very much like within the black metal genre, you know. Yeah, this was this was the record that I struggled with the most, not putting in my top. Really? Five. Yeah. As soon as I heard it, I knew it was going to be in my top five. Yeah, I I, I love it. Now, I'm kind of now I'm, reg- I'm regretting it. You know what? Start over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really love. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it either. I say Gaul's word. I don't know how it's properly. I can't pronounce anything anymore. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I love this record too. I've listened to it a ton. Um, 
Yeah, it's not a typical black metal record. No. You know, you said there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of atmospheres, a lot of layers in there. And uh, Gall, you know, two different close friends of mine have been over to Norway in the last couple of years, and they both had the pleasure of meeting Gall. Really? Yeah, he has an art gallery. That's cool. I didn't realize that. Uh, I want to say Bergen, but I could be off there. If I am, I'm maybe Oslo. It could be Oslo. Okay. I can't remember where it's located. I apologize. Yeah. My my uh, impression is that Bergen is like in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so probably yeah. Oslo then. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, they both have met him, and they said he was a very very cool guy, and you know, very interesting guy. Obviously, um, yeah, I love the record. Yeah, it's it's um right exactly up my alley, man. It's like when I first heard this record, I was like, this is definitely. Something I will could not prevent myself from listening to. Like I was running this album soon when I when I first heard it, it was just something I just had in constant rotation. So that's that's my number two. Yep, great choice. That's my number five and a half. I'll five say. and a half. Okay. <laughs> uh, number two for me is the self-titled album by Saint Vitus. Oh, okay. Yeah. This record came out early in the year, too. Um, so a lot of people probably even forgot about it. Also, season of mist. Yeah, same vibe. That's actually uh, there's no wino on this record either, right? No, this is uh, this was the re- this is their ninth studio album, which that's not a lot of records either. Well, they also had a long break. You know, they've taken long. Yeah, breaks those guys also live kind of hard. Yeah, you know? they you know. There's a lot of demons being fought over in the Vitus camp, I think. Sure. You know, and that uh, those guys are not young, man. Like, no. the St. Vitus existed, uh, you know, they were one of the original SST records bands. Yeah, in the 80s. Yep. You know, and uh, the original drummer, uh, Armando Acosta, passed away in 2010. Um, the bass player, Mark Adams, he has uh, battling Parkinson's disease. Oh, wow. So he was not a part of this record for the you know first time in the career. Uh, Pat Bruders, who plays in Down, plays on this record. But uh, I've always been a huge Vitus fan, and this was the return of Scott Riegers on vocals, taking over for Wino. Riegers was the original guy. Um, But so, yeah, I've always been a huge Vitus fan. I check out everything they've ever done. I was in Texas back in January uh, for reasons I'd rather not disclose. I don't really like going to Texas. Uh, but anyway, when I was down there, I had some free time one day and I Googled record stores and, uh, found a place in Fort Worth, which is where I was that area. You've been to Fort Worth? Yes, I have. You want to go back? No. Well, let me give you a reason why I want to go back. <laughs> okay. okay. Cause I don't want to go back either. I found a record store called Born Too Late Records. I see where you're going with this. In Fort Worth. And, uh, to my surprise, I found out a guy named Henry Vasquez is the owner. Okay. Of this store. He's also the drummer for St. Vitus. Oh. Okay. He took over after Armando passed away. He played on the record before this, uh, Lily 6-6, and he plays on this record. So I went to the store, and it's this little like hole-in-the-wall shop. Well, it looks like a hole-in-the-wall until you go in there. And then there's like four separate rooms, uh, and it's, it's like a gold mine. For anybody like me or you who's into underground music, Hard rock, specializing in black metal, hard rock, heavy metal from the 70s and 80s, doom, occult, any of that stuff, you will just die when you walk in there. That's awesome. This is 
easily one of the best record stores I've ever been to in my life. And you say it's in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Born Too Late Records. Okay, cool. Um, another guy, John, works at the shop, too. I spent a lot of time talking to him. He plays in a classic American doom band called Solitude Eternus. Uh, been around forever. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I went there. One day I was short on time. I went there. I looked around quick, and I was like, holy shit, I got to come back here. So I, I freed up a whole day. <laughs> You're not fucking around, man. I wasn't fucking around. I was in this place for eight hours. Jesus, man. Uh, and I still didn't look look at everything in there. Wow. You know, I spent way more money than I should have. But uh, I got to meet Henry. He was there the second day. He was just coming back from a record convention. He, I think it was over in Houston. And uh, a really nice guy, man. Spent a lot of time talking to me. And he was cool enough. He had just come back from uh, Seattle or California, the West Coast, from recording this record. No way. So he knew like what a diehard fan I was. He's like, hey, man, would you want to hear track from the new Vitus record and I was wow. like oh, fucking kidding me man like That's so cool, it was man. cool like you know I was in this record store in the middle of the day there's nobody else in there but me and him and he's like cranking the new Vitus record for Damn, why I'm record shopping so as awful as it was being in Texas in January that in a, in a big way made up for it and I uh I fell in love with this album it's a great album but I fell in love with it for other reasons too you know um it's if you're a fan of Vitus Check it out. You won't be disappointed. It's got the everything you love about the band. Doomy shit, awesome vocals, classic, noisy, weird solos that sound like Greg Ginn and Iomi. You know? That's a good description of them, too. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Like nothing. Know? I mean, no, there's no other solos that sound like that. No. It's just, it's insane. Uh, standout tracks for me, Track the first track on the record called Remains, I think is amazing, and 12 Years in the Tomb. Nice. You know, I know one of the times I stayed over here, uh, one of the many nights I've been up yeah. here, we, we listened to that record. I remember we, yeah. we played it. Yep. And I was like, wow. It's vo and I, I'm going to note that the vocals sounded amazing, man. They like, did. And I mean, I don't know how old Scott Riegers is now, but yeah. he's not young, man. No, man. He sounded, he sounds great on this album. Sounds better than he ever has. Yeah. So that leaves us with number one. Okay, so for 2019, my number one record was Mayhem Damons. We already talked about this, but this is my number one record. It came out on Century Media. And um, yeah, what, what Randy said, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, this, listen, this could have easily been my number one record. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's two or three of these records could have easily been my number one. So... Uh, at one point, they probably had the Mayhem record at number yeah. one. You know, uh, it's incredible. I mean, the Dying Falls King and Malum are my two tracks, standout tracks. And yeah, it's like I also thought Esoteric Warfare was amazing too, and that's something I was listening to all the time. You know, and uh, wow, it came out in 2014. You're saying, yeah, damn. So that's that's they take a little bit of time between records, and um, that record. Definitely more of like experimental. There's like a, like electronics on there. There's like almost like a, this kind of like at times it almost has like a noise rock vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, which I like. And this record is kind of a return to the old days of uh, De Mysterious Dom Satanus. You know, it's like yeah. this kind of real in your face like black metal record with like very creepy like guitar riffs on it and uh, insane vocals. I mean. 
Attila is like one of my favorite singers in all of black metal and that whole genre, really. As good as the band is, and they're phenomenal, Attila really kind of pushes it over the top. Man. And and like, there there's like very intense black metal singing on there, but then it also has these like clean, like very cool, like clean yeah. vocal parts that I think really push the whole record into a whole other dimension, really, you know? It was funny. Uh, I can't remember the exact people, but, like, there was some uh, push and pull when Attila joined the band for Demysterious. Like, really? There were certain members of the band who were like, I, I don't like this. I can see that, because it's a very different thing, especially on that record. Yeah, especially for that time. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I can't I can't remember. I was just reading this, too, and I can't remember who. But, uh, yeah, I mean, his voice, to me, just pushes it over the top. Very unique. Very unique. You know it's him immediately. Uh, the the crazy thing about that the D Mysterious record is like, you know, I I um since because this record came out, I've been on this big mayhem kick lately, and uh, you know, I've been listening to this as soon as for like when this record came out, it's all I listened to, and then I started listening to like the earlier stuff again, right. you know, revisiting like Death Crush and D Mysterious, and then I was thinking about before D Mysterious came out. Like that record, by the time that record had surfaced, Euronymous was murdered and Varg had been imprisoned. Yeah. Euronymous, the guitar player, yeah, the was guitar murdered player. by the guy who played Varg. bass on the record. Yeah. Varg. <laughs> right. And they, and by the time the record came out, one guy was dead and one guy was in jail. Yeah. And uh, I was, uh, some more stuff I've been reading too. Like, uh, <laughs> have you seen the thing with Necro Butcher? About interview. how you, he was like thinking he was on about his way killing. To go. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because of all the turmoil that surrounded it, like when they reformed, the band kind of regrouped after you know the murder. Yeah, they didn't really play any of this material. No. So one of the reasons they went out a few years ago and started playing this record, Attila rejoined the band because he had left the band after that record. Mm -hmm. Years later, he rejoins the band. He's been in the band for many years, but. Probably their biggest, most famous record. They really never performed it live, so they thought it was a good opportunity with Attila back in the band that they would go out, you know, and, and, and for the fans and dig into that record, and, and that's why they did that for a couple of years. You know? Wow, yeah, that's pretty insane. You think about you know Black Mo as being like this totally crazy like subculture, and it really in the old days it really was, man. Like you think about how insane and nuts that whole thing was man that whole norwegian trip you know and prior to the black metal who the hell what bands ever came out of norway really you know there's like tons of swedish bands you know but yeah none's that none, none that ring a bell to me uh i'm sure there's like some old uh, i hunt for like these compilations of like old like 70s hard rock yeah stuff i'm like obsessed with it now yeah. and then the names escape me, but there's like a, a thing I found online. It was like a playlist of like 70s and 80s, like Norwegian hard rock and really? metal bands. There you go. And it was cool stuff. Yeah. But like nothing that ever made a dent like commercially or yeah. anything like that, you know? Yeah. And then like black metal happened, and then suddenly Norway is on the map as like extreme music kind of thing, creating yeah. a whole different subculture of music, you know? You start killing each other and burning down churches. Fuck. Yeah, people are going to yeah. pay attention. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, it's like, Prior to that, I mean, there's a whole other, this could be a whole other episode about black metal, but it's sure. like, you know, you think about like Slayer and any, everything in the 80s that was like satanic or whatever. And then, and it was like, fine, then suddenly these guys come out of the, the Northlands and they're like, 
no, we really mean this shit. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? right, right. And right. when we, we keep talk about death and murder, we actually kill and murder. Yeah, you know, right. It's like fucking nuts, man. So yeah, just trip out on the fact that it, you know, uh, you know that the. the um, Demysterium Dom Satanus is a classic record which will probably show up on this show at yeah, some point. Probably long overdue. Um, by the time that album was released, two of the members was one member was incarcerated and one member was <laughs> murdered by the member that was incarcerated. It's crazy to think that. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, so that's your number one. That's my number one. Number one for me is Dark Throne, Old Star, which we've already talked about. Yeah. So have a nice day. <laughs> Great record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. I mean, I'm a huge Dark Throne fan, and I, lo- you know, I've said it before, I love everything about the band. You know, a couple things that we didn't touch on about it. It was their 17th studio album. Yeah, yeah. Which, actually, we did talk about I that. I mentioned but, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. You probably weren't paying attention, but I did say that. No, I think I, was, <laughs> I think I was sleeping during that part. Um, but uh, one interesting thing is, you know, this band has been these two guys forever. They do everything themselves. They record these records. They mix these records, produce these records. This record was the first one in a long, long time that was mixed by someone else. And it was mixed by Sanford Parker. Wow. Yeah, which most people don't know. Because I don't think most people bother to look because any Dark Throne fan knows, like, they don't let other people touch their shit. That's crazy. Sanford did this. And I read in a, a, a great interview with Nocturno Culto, and for the life of me, I can't remember uh, what outlet I read it on. I was on a plane going somewhere, and I read an interview, and the interviewer asked him about that. Um, how was it, you know, working with Sanford Parker, doing the mix, and, and how did you feel when you got the mix back? And <laughs> Nocturno Culto, uh, and only the way he could phrase it, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically like it was shit. Oh, ouch. Not happy. Wow. He's like, he went in a total different direction than we wanted. And I guess with just a little bit of communication, Sanford killed it. And the next mix they got back, they were ecstatic with it. And they were like thrilled about it. But originally, they were like, holy shit, man. Like, they were really, really bummed out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, it's kind of cool. Like, after all those years, they let Sanford take a stab at mixing the record. You know, they, these guys went years and years and years without having any outside influence on the music um, at all, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Standout tracks on the record for me, it's cool because I picked two different tracks than you did. Um, I'm going to go with the title track, Old Star. And then uh, second track I would pick is The Key Inside the Wall. Um yeah, man, I don't know what else you can say about this record. If you're a fan of Dark Throne, this is definitely something you need to check out. And uh, we both have uh, Norwegian black metal bands as our number one records of the year. That kind of makes sense, though, really, you know, since we both love that genre so well. You know. Did you have any um, runners-up this year? I have a lot. Yeah, I have, I have a few, too, definitely. Well, I'll say this. <laughs> Gall's word. Yeah. Right? Is my first runner-up. Not that these are in any order. Yeah. But, uh, if, you know, we already talked about that. So mm-hmm. uh, just I'll run through a couple quick. Uh, band Axioma. Ah, yes. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. with our, our friend Aaron Dalson. Yep. From played Cl- in Keel Hall. 
Um, he was also in Ringworm, too. In Ringworm, too, yes. Axioma, the crown, or crown, not the crown. Mm-hmm. Came out on Translation Lost Records. We played with them in Cleveland. Yep, I remember last that year. very well, yep. Great band. Um, band from Massachusetts called the Northern Skulls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is more of an EP, 12-inch yeah. EP. Um, Jonah Jenkins, who fronted Only Living Witness. Past guest on this podcast. Yes. Yep. And a great dude. Um, he, that was self-released by the band. That's available through their Bandcamp page. And I think maybe Revelation Records, Distro, has some copies of that. Um, really cool band from Spain called Titan Blood. And if you ever check them out. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Baneful Choir. Uh, dark, crazy, fucked up record, man. Uh, it kind of reminds me of what Portal's doing. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, in that realm. Uh, you know, the last one I'll mention quick is uh, a band on Metal Blade called Tanith. I don't even know who the fuck that is. The record's called In Another Time. It's Tanith is a band based partially from New York, Partially from overseas, huh. and uh, the main guy is a guy named Russ Tippins. He was the guy who formed the old heavy metal band Satan. Oh wow! Yeah, this uh, record kind of came out of nowhere. A friend of mine sent me a link to like a two-song EP they had done the previous year, and I'm like, "Wow, this is right up my alley, man!" It's got that like Deep Purple, UF early UFO, Uriah Heat, wow. Thin Lizzy, Tanith, Tanith in another time on Metal Blade. Uh, I don't think a lot of people even really know about it. But if you're into old school heavy metal or hard rock more so, definitely worth checking out. Wow, that's cool, man. That's something I'd never even heard of them, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. I got a few runners up. Uh, the McGuire record, Age of Excuse. Like, I, I, I love McGuire and I think all their albums are great. And this one, this one came out, I just, it's, if you're, if you're familiar with the band, it's what they do. It's their thing. I, did not spend enough time with this record for it to be part of my top five, but it's a, an insanely good record. Uh, Vastum or Official Purge. And that that came out real late in the year. Yep. And it was like, I didn't even realize it came out until my good friend CJ Chapel texted me about the new record. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even realize this album was out. And then I dug... Um, their earlier record, Hole Below, that's like fucking amazing. And, you know, I like their entire catalog. And this record, I just needed to spend more time with it, man. But it's 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 amazing. It's definitely worth the mention. And then I got two more um, records that came out earlier in the year. And probably at one point were on my top five, but got ousted by the Swans, I think, and the Mayhem record. And that would be All Hell, The Witch's Grail, and ringworm, death becomes my voice. Definitely, were at some point occupied one of those spots in the top five, but mayhem and and um, and the swans kind of like pushed them a little bit outside that envelope. That happens. Yeah, all hell and ringworm did a tour together earlier this year, which I thought was great. And if you're not familiar with all hell, if you like Samhain and like Venom and that kind of stuff, Misfits, that's your band. They're like. Very uh, raw black metal with like a real like Danzig Samhain kind of vibe thrown in there. And uh, they're just really good at that sleazy rock and roll like black metal kind of style. And uh, they're great. And Ringworm, fucking classic. 
Cleveland hardcore bands. Every record they've been putting out in this in the relapse era, I'm going to say, has been getting better and better. Um, flawlessly combining, you know, discharge <laughs> and like metal and that Cleveland sound, man. There's like a sound in Cleveland, which is like a thrash metal hardcore kind of thing, you know, like Integrity has it, Ringworm has it, um, and Cold Blood. Like all those bands have this kind of thing that they do that I always think about Cleveland, Ohio. And Ringworm are one of the top bands doing that style. And, uh, you know, their whole thing is great. Great lyrics, the riffs are cool. Artwork by the Human Furnace, the singer of the band, does all their artwork. And they have a very distinctive look to them. So that's those are my runners up for 2019. I got to get on board with this Ringworm record. I'm a fan of the band. I have been. Matter of fact, going back to 1992, I remember ordering the Ringworm demo. Yeah. Out of some zine, the back of some zine. Right. You know, and uh, it was coming to my P.O. box, like in some sketchy padded mailer. <laughs> and I've, I always, I still to this day, love that demo. And I try to check out everything they do. Oh, yeah. Um, I have not got around to the new record yet. Um, and with the McGlaw record, that's another one, man. It just, I listen to it once and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And I just, there's always so much time in a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally, man. And, and there's a lot, like I said, a lot of really good records came out this year, I think, you know, and, and um, yeah, there's there's a ton. I, I, I think it's cool that we keep it to five because yeah. I don't know if I could come up with 10. That's the thing. That's why we do five. But I don't know if I can come up with 10. Like I have, I have four runners up, but I don't have five. I have one, two, three, four. I have five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just think you need to work a little harder, man. Well, you know, maybe, not, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. But, uh, but I like, I like the concept of really reducing it down to like the top five. I'll say this, in closing for me. Okay. I think I have four of my top five for 2020, already in my head. You can play it like that, I guess. Yeah. What if like some other shit comes out in 2020 that that is better than that? I don't know. That's their problem. <laughs> So anyway, guys, that's 2019 in a nutshell for Metal Matters Podcast. And, um, you know, everyone have a safe holiday, and we'll see you next year. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms apple Podcasts, itunes spotify etc also be sure to check out gimme radio streaming on the web ios or android for one of the best metal communities exclusive merch interviews with artists and so much more i'll catch you guys next week take care